the volume. Hey, it's the sessions presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long, baby. And when you win, you get paid real fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. Such a cool feature. And you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same game parlay to try out Same Game Parlay Plus. So download the FanDuel app today and start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. I've got Kenny Omega in the hot seat today. I'm really pumped for this episode um, on TV days when we're at Dynamite or Rampage. There's not always time to just like hang out. People are busy. Um, So I've not really got to like spend that much time being able to pick his brain. So to be able to have an hour with Kenny was honestly a ton of fun for me. He was also a, a total sweetheart and did a special little video for my mom who, as I found out during my research for this podcast, loves Kenny Omega. I mean, I knew that, but it was very funny for me to like scroll through his Instagram, trying to like find little details about him and like seeing that my mom was liking all of his photos. Great stuff. Great, great, great stuff. Um, Of course, we talk wrestling. We talk hockey. uh, We talk a bunch of stuff during this episode. He's a great guy. You guys are going to enjoy it. Here he is. This is Kenny Omega. All right, here we go. Guys, finally, Kenny Omega is here on the sessions. So I feel like this is obviously not for you. I'm sure you've not thought twice about it. Um, But for me, I'm like, when do I get Kenny on the podcast? Because it's a big interview. Oh, come on. But it is. And it's funny because I feel like I kind of like put those ones off a little bit because I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? What's it going to be? I'm trying not to overthink it. But anyways, thanks for being on the pod. How are you doing? Doing well. And I hope you're doing well also. And I hope that unconsciously, at least unconsciously or subconsciously, that you weren't worried about having me on because you knew I was a sure bet. Because, of course, all you need to do is ask. That's it. (laughs) Which is true. You were very cool that you're like, can you just like text me and we'll set it up? We don't need like a middleman. We don't need any bullshit. But I don't know. Like, how do you feel going into interviews? Do you feel like people are often trying to like really pick your brain or like people are trying to get a scoop from you? I feel do you kind of have your guard up a little bit going into interviews? It's the best and worst of both worlds. Sometimes you go into an interview and um They've got some very interesting questions that really make me think on the spot. And I'm very happy and glad to give the most thought provoking answer that I can give. And sometimes I really do feel like I go into things with people that have an ax to grind or with people that are simply looking for a headline. And um, I guess I used to be full of hot takes back in the day. (laughs) 
And, and now I feel like I'm just very boring. I just kind of keep my head down and I, I just bulldoze forward. I'm just trying to put my best foot forward in every situation. I'm not as interesting as I used to be. I can promise you that. I don't like feeling like I'm trying to get a gotcha moment or like, oh my God, he said this buzzy thing. Like, first of all, I work with you. I'm not trying to get you to throw anybody under the bus or say anything dumb. We're on the same team. Um, but yeah, it's I, it's funny. Like, I it, that's not what this show is. We're merely just hanging out. Could I go through your entire history of wrestling and go through all these great matches and moments that you've had? Yes, but we know those things. We've seen those things. I'm here to just hang out with you. I want to talk about the the plant choice in the background. Well, it's it's absolutely fake. So I I can't. Um, every every plant in the house is fake because I have a, a kitty cat and I I don't want him consuming anything that may be harmful to his stomach. And he's going to be roaming around. You might even see him later on if he gets a little froggy. He might jump up on the on the table and and, and say hello. I've never even really thought about that. We just acquired a cat right before Christmas time, and I've not thought about the plants that he can get into. He's a he's a squirrely little guy, too. He's a little shithead. He'll probably be okay, but I don't want to come home after like a, a week of TV and just there's, you know, puddles everywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't need that. Um, okay. So one of my favorite things that I've, I knew this, but I really realized it while I was like doing my little Kenny Omega deep dive. My mom, huge Kenny Omega fan. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> what? So I, <laughs> What's the, I really what knew this. reason, if any, is there? Early hair, baby blue eyes? Is it one of them? <laughs> about but I was FaceTiming with her earlier today I'm like I've got Kenny on the show today and her face dropped but it made me laugh as I was like you know I scroll through people's Instagram to kind of like get ready for the interview it's like Carol McKay has liked this photo of Kenny Omega (laughs) let's talk about your demographic the people that love Kenny Omega my mom of course being one of them what is a Kenny Omega fan like it's it's funny you say that because for the past like year and a bit I've tried to be very unlikable. I've tried to be the scourge of AEW, you know, just a very cheesy, fun to hate bad guy. You know, if you liked me for that reason, that that's great. But I, I wasn't trying to be likable by any sense of the word. Even in New Japan, like it was it was always so shocking to me when I was doing, in my opinion, some of the some of the work that uh, I mean, some of the work that I was most proud of in my career. Yeah, like I would see the live houses and I would see the way that they'd react. I'd see the way that the company would react and they'd be very happy with how merchandise was moving, how ticket sales were moving, all that stuff. But to come here, um, you know, and of course the streaming service is going very well for New Japan, but still to come here and do the Odd Spot show in, in America and to see just how many wonderful fans are, are actually here and, and knew what I was doing and followed what I was doing, followed the stories. And if they couldn't understand a layer to it or something, they would find a way to have like a translated version uh, or a translated explanation of of what it was that I was doing and why it was important and all the motivations behind the characters at play. Um, It was very cool. So I guess if I can say there's a demographic of Kenny Omega fan out there, I guess they have to be really cool (laughs) for one. Um, They're probably doing really well in life. You know, they probably like to motivate people and and are good people all around. The creme to the creme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to me about what those like layers and nuances are that happen in these storylines. And, you know, you can talk about your time in New Japan and then coming over to America and seeing the way that, especially with what we're doing in AEW, but how, like what works in American wrestling to your mind? 
Because you guys do have, there's so many nuances to everything you guys do. And that's something like me coming from the WWE background to now being here in AEW. And it's like, there's not just like one storyline on television that you see. There's stuff that lives on .com. There's stuff on BTE. Like there's so many different little nuggets to pick up from. Um, how is that, you think, like consumer-wise for fans? I mean, I think that kind of lends to maybe a, I don't want to say a truer fan. That's not the word, but they are really involved in everything that you're doing. Yeah, it becomes a more multifaceted fan. I think there's no right or wrong answer. And I do think sometimes simple is best. And sometimes I think maybe playing just your core audience is best. But also there are times when, uh, for example, when I would do a deep story, there is usually months or years and, and layers of real life history with a person that I'm working with. And I like to be able to have callbacks towards that. I like to be able to reference that. I like to take elements from that and ingredients and like toss it into the current day story just to spice it up a little. And um, for the people that understand that history or, or want to go back and investigate that history, all the data, all the, all the videotapes, all there, all, all the records, they're, they're all there. Yeah, they're all there. And, and what's very cool too is and we're, we've been talking about, um, you know, fans and, and, and things like that. And how, so how kind they can be and, and just how knowledgeable they are of everything that you do. There are fans that are so welcoming in our community that are like, okay, in case you don't understand just how deep this story is, here's a video that I've made just to help you understand. And it's so cool to see participation like that. And um, I mean, I remember being someone like that, you know, way back in the day when I wanted to teach someone something about what I was passionate about, whether it be a video game or like a TV series or something. And I would just lay it all out for them because I wanted them to enjoy it just as much as I was enjoying it. And I think that's one of the, the huge positives of kind of being just a different type of storyteller in wrestling. Because like you said, it's sometimes it isn't just what you get as a live house audience. Sometimes it isn't just what you see week to week on TV. Sometimes it's something that harkens back, you know, years and years, maybe even a decade. I mean, wrestling, I've always said this, I've said this for years and years and years, that wrestling can really be whatever you want it to be. So the type of storytelling that I usually try to employ when I'm telling a story goes deeper than face value. Because number one, I, I don't get too many opportunities to tell, you know, long and epic stories. So when I do, I want it to mean something or I want it to be fun or I want it to be interactive. So, um, starting this new thing in AEW where it's like, okay, it's a fresh thing from zero. We're an alternative. Some people know us, some people don't, but there are people that are excited to see this new product. So how do you go about introducing a new epic storyline or a new storyline that people are going to want to tune in week to week to week, but also feel like there's something more there at the bone. That was one of the funny things um, and fun things that I was able to do with, with John, actually, I think was one of my first big main stories. You know, he, Turned up out of nowhere at our first show. We got into it. People knew who he was. People somewhat knew who I was probably just due to the, you know, word of mouth and AW doing a good job kind of teaching our audience that, hey, Kenny's this guy from Japan and he did this thing with Jericho and it was pretty cool and he's here now. <laughs> you yeah. know? So it was sort of presented like at, at the very least, even if he didn't know who I was, I was at least put in a role to be presented as like, yeah, this guy should be a big deal. So when John attacks me, it's like, oh, wow, this guy that's a big deal is now attacking this other guy that we've been told is a big deal. So this is cool. But, you know, there's got to be more than that. And um, 
I loved how we were able to add elements of my Japanese history and then John going to Japan for the G1 and all that. It's like, hey, I'm going to go down to do what you do to learn how it is that you became you so I can beat you up even more. That That's the kind of stuff that I like. And I love that if you follow us week to week, yeah, okay, John's giving me a DDT through a glass coffee table and that's fun. Is it? Is it fun? <laughs> no, no. I actually, I went straight down and landed like right on one of like these like rods. It was the actual, it was too perfect of a placement. So this huge rod, like right down the middle of my skull. Or was that like this like contusion mohawk? It was, it was pretty funny. Oh my God. But, but it was, nuts. I couldn't have landed any better. It was, it was, like I said, it was just too perfect of a spot to land. That's all it was. What were some of the shows and stuff that you really loved? If you were putting yourself back into like that early fan stage of like shows that you love that you would want to make a video to fully lay out some of those shows that you were really into that maybe kind of lend to who you are as a storyteller now. I try to look at what I do and how do I associate what I do with something from television or something from video games or some sort of some sort of entertainment medium that that can help me be more successful in telling a story. And when I kind of really sat down with myself and thought like, how am I going to layer my stories? How am I going to pace them? I had to take a look at the time frame that I was given. And at this point in time, when I really kind of sat in the, in the think tank and thought, how am I going to do this for myself? And how am I going to take what I do to the, to the next level? Because at that point, I just felt like, okay, I'm naturally really athletic. I can do some stuff that other people can't do. I'm creative. And um, I've been lucky enough to get to this point just based off of that. And that's great, but that only takes you so far. And at the end of the day, people do want more to chew on than just, hey, this guy's a great athlete. It's got to be more than that every time. So I was getting matches around 18 minutes to 25-ish. And then for the big ones, you know, that's anywhere from 30 to 50 to an hour. But the main ones are like 20-ish. So I thought, what could I, how can I study for this? How can I improve myself? How can, what, what can I take nods from anything around me? And um, I began to study weekly cartoons, specifically um, superhero cartoons, because an episode lasts about 21 minutes long. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. The hero gets put into to peril at some point. And every week, there's probably a new villain featured. And every week, for example, Batman cannot fight the Joker every week. It's not always going to be that serious. There's not always going to be that, oh my goodness, the world may end moment. Sometimes he has to fight the Riddler. Sometimes he has to fight um, you know, Mr. Freeze or Clayface. How do you make all those instances, how do you make all of those altercations interesting. How do you make them feel like they mean something? And how do you make them different from one another? And sometimes you can elicit other emotions, even though, you know, you are supposed to be taken, taken as this incredible superhero, someone that's larger than life, someone who is supposed to be one of the best at doing what you do. So I had found that um, specifically Batman cartoons, Justice League. Yeah, they really helped a lot. It's funny being able to tap into things because I think some people just assume like, oh, you're going to go back and watch a bunch of old wrestling matches and you're going to pull X, Y, and Z. But it is really fun, I think, to be able to tap into that other side of your brain and just like look outside and beyond our world to bring other characteristics in, other things to kind of focus on. That's really neat. 
That's also another reason why I would try to study other forms of wrestling, like worldly styles. Because it's always like, yeah, you're an American now, so this is the style that we like we like to do. And um, sure, it's a North American wrestling style or, or American TV style. It's fun. It's great. It's what I grew up on. It's what a lot of people grew up on. Wrestling as an art has kind of been prevalent in so many countries in the world. So who's to say that something that you take from Lucha Libre can't work? Who's to say something that you can learn from England or Japan or any other country would not work in American television? You, you don't know. Sometimes you just, you just got to take from it, learn from it, and try it. It's also sort of, I guess, like training the audience, so to speak, to like appreciate and enjoy another style. I think we've all been kind of programmed to a degree of like what a wrestling match looks like. And now to take people outside of that while people are craving something a little bit different, people are craving to, uh, I think, to kind of open their minds up to something. It's cool that you're given that platform to actually go out there and execute that week after week. That part is is very rewarding. It's nice to have you know a, a degree of trust among your peers and you know in the in the hierarchy of AEW to allow um, people like me to be able to tell our version of stories. And hey, sometimes it it doesn't work out the way that you picture it. What's an instance of something not working out the way that you thought that it was going to? The big one that always comes to mind, the forefront of my brain, is of course the uh, the barbed wire death match, the exploding barbed wire death match. Great match. Great match, by the way. I was so proud of the match. I was so worried about the match because I'm not really a hardcore guy. I'm like a guy that's scared of needles. I'm like a guy that's scared of getting caught. <laughs> yeah. When I'm in the in the heat of the moment, you know, I, I, I things happen. So I, I just deal with it. When I'm getting thrown on the barbed wire and things like that, in the heat of the moment, sure, I can handle it. But no, going into a match knowing that this might happen and this might happen and this might happen. And I'm thinking worst case scenarios like, wow, I could catch on fire. I could sear you know, my face off or whatever. I could get completely shredded by barbed wire if I get completely tangled in it. Like I was scared of stuff like that. But the one thing that I never thought would happen and I should have considered it was what if all this stuff that they've prepared, that they have done rehearsals for, that I know worked in rehearsals, what if for some reason on the day of that doesn't work? It never popped into my mind. The that feeling, that thought, you just think that the stuff that you can't control is going to be there for you. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. You're worried about your match. You're worried about your moments, not the stuff out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what I'm trying to worry about, like, what, what, what can I do to control the unknown? The thing I can't control, any sort of technical aspect of the match. I can't do that. So I'm just trusting that all these people that have the know-how and that have been tasked to do this can pull it off. What was going through your mind during that moment when you're like waiting, waiting, waiting? Like what happens as like a performer in that moment of like, oh shit. I was giving the entire situation the benefit of the doubt because it was a super windy day. It was a very windy day, and the way that the wind traveled through that kind of half-open-air arena, I thought, maybe this place has been so wind-tunneled up that something is, had caused this to, to not fire the way that it should. I was kind of hoping that maybe that's what it was. <laughs> but it was just like, when I heard the real reason, where it was like the boss who was not there from, for rehearsals 
had then showed up to the actual real life show and he had said, I've got a way to make this look even better. And that was his idea. I was like, wait, you decided on the spot when you didn't know the idea. You didn't see the rehearsal. And that's that's the, the direction he decided to go in. And yes, there were misfires within his new idea that he decided. But I wish we just would have done what we practiced. How do you react in a moment like that when things don't go as planned? What do you do when you walk to the back? Are you mad? Are you kind of trying to understand it? How do you function in that moment? Wow. <laughs> Did you get pissed? You look like you got pissed. I, I remember walking to the back and I didn't want to show any sort of emotion one way or another. Whatever it was that I was going to do, I was just going to do it away from people, maybe in front of the bucks, you know, maybe in front of people that have seen me my worst before. I was going to do it in front of them and then I was going to come back out and be like, Oh, wasn't that great, everyone? You know? <laughs> so yeah. I was, I remember being on my way to the back and I saw Jerry. He kind of like sprinted up beside me and he's like, Kenny, don't do it, man. He's like, I know you're pissed off, but don't do it. I'm like, Jerry says, I don't even know what I'm going to do. So I just feel like crying, man. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, no, he says, it's okay. It's okay. It's nothing you did wrong. Nothing you did wrong. I'm pissed off too, but hopefully you don't blame anyone involved in the match. I'm like, no, I don't. So, that was kind of the most upsetting part is at that moment. It's like, I don't know who to blame. I don't know who's the fault. I just feel so terrible for, for like, for John, for Eddie. I even felt sorry for myself. I was like, man, boy, do we look like sorry saps. It was, it was nice to just sort of, as best as I could, scrub the, the finish and just think about, okay, how did we, how did our day's work look aside from that one technical flub? I was like, you know what? I really liked it. I really did. And it sucks that that last part is what's going to stick in everyone's mind. But I mean, it just reinforces that everything that we do as performers, as artists, like don't, don't ever say, Hey, Kenny, you had this incredible match. Kenny, you had the greatest match of all time. Let's say you really think that I was just a part of it. I had an opponent. I had a great crowd. I had a great ring. I had probably a good entrance. My, 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 my opponent had a good entrance. The referee was probably there selling the counts. Like it's it's such a team effort. And and if one of those things goes sideways, then kind of the whole experience gets it, it suffers as a result of it. I don't know if I'm too close to it because I was like there watching it, obviously like talking to John about it, but like I don't know. My takeaway from that match was like, you guys had a great match. Sometimes shit just doesn't work. And that just is what it is. And like you said, it's out of your hands. And to kind of dwell on that or think that that's the big takeaway. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people, maybe that was the takeaway. But for me, I, I just thought the whole match in general was great. And it was just at the end was like, oh, shit. But it happens. Yeah, we were able to pivot away from it and kind of make it into something else, which was in its own right, ridiculous. Like, hey, I I wanted you to think that you're going to get blown up and burned alive, but I'm not a murderer. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, like, I, if I blew some up for real, that, that's not good. No, that's messed up. You're going to jail. Um, does that make you shy away from wanting to ever do a match like that again? It made me want to rely on as little people as possible moving forward. And I remember, too, that that was always my my thought process going into sports, even throughout high school. I was really good at ice hockey. I loved ice hockey. 
But what did I play? I was a goaltender. I have a lot of follow-ups on this. When I found out that you were a goaltender, I was like, hold the phone. Because goalies are kind of always the wacko on the team a little bit, right? You guys kind of have that reputation. You're like the drummer of a band. You're always just a little left to center. That's what everyone keeps telling me. I'd always thought, man, I'm just the intelligent one of of, of all you people. No, but I guess I was the whack job. Because it really, you're getting you're getting these hard pieces of small rubber being fired at you. At I mean, depends on your level. But what level were you playing? When where did you play till? So I played until the junior level. So yeah, junior level, and then of course um, when we had to make the, the decision, the big final decision of where my life is going to be headed, whether I focus completely on scholastics, whether I go on a, on a scholarship for hockey and and take my schooling, or whether I just do the least smart thing of all time. And that's put all my chips into professional wrestling. We know how it went. And I'm very lucky that it did go the way that it went. I want to play devil's advocate here. What if you did go the other way? How close were you to kind of following through on that? I mean, for any kid growing up in Canada, we all want to, I wanted to play in the NHL. I wanted to be Manon Rayom, like sign a girl up. You want to talk goaltenders. I was not a goaltender. I mean, I even have like family videos back in the day where it's like, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, well, it's tough, but it's either I'm going to be either a Ninja Turtle or uh, <laughs> I'll be a professional hockey player. So I'm not sure. It's going to be one of those. And yeah, I remember it was the, that's always what the goal was. And, you know, when I started playing, I, I loved it. It was fun. I had a late start because everyone at that time anyway, people that were playing hockey, they would start. You started at, like three, four years old. Yes, oh, three, yeah. four years old. So finally, when it was time when I decided, hey, I want to do it. I want to try this. I was already 10, possibly close to 11. So all these kids are skating so well. And I can't even skate backwards yet. I mean, I can kind of skate sort of, but not really. So to go out with, at that time, it must have been 40-something pounds of of goalie equipment. Oh, my God. So bulky. Good God. The, The gear was still pretty heavy. And to still not really be able to skate well, to not really have the strength in my wrists and stuff to control my stick, just no good lateral movement, all that, all those things. But to try out for the highest level and then to try at the next level and then to try at the next level and then kind of like, okay, everyone that's left over, they play in this league. Um, Here I am playing house league. And um, it was a great experience to see where I was at, to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm winning all these track meets. I feel like athletically I'm very gifted. Why is it that I couldn't pick this up immediately? Were you not playing net at this point? I was. It was my first everything. It was like I just decided to play, and my father was really good at hockey. He was he was very good, and he, he played uh, goal as well. So, yeah, I, I had my first, my first year in the absolute bottom of the barrel leagues. Went to summer hockey as well. And then the next year I was already in the – Premier League and playing in the All-Star team. So it was like, it just it caught, it caught on quick. I really felt like a natural at it. But then, and I guess even wrestling, you know, I'm a victim of this too. As it got more serious and more serious and more serious, it became less of a game and more of a business. And that is fine. But I mean, I played it for the love of the game. I played it because I, I love being in, in, I love being someone that my team could rely on. I love being able to contribute in that manner. And I love winning. I'm competitive. I just love winning. But I didn't care about the other stuff. I didn't care about the things that were time consuming 
but had nothing to do with the game itself. Um, so I thought like, well, wrestling is kind of like the wild west, you know, it feels like you can just control your own character. You do whatever you want. And of course that's me not knowing anything <laughs> about what goes on backstage. Yeah. So I got kind of more into, into the wrestling from there. I was kind of doing odd jobs. I was setting up the ring at times for kids shows. I was doing ring announcing or I would be the Wait, DJ. Wait, you for- did? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Every Wednesday we would do like a community club show. And uh, there were times when there wasn't a ring announcer. So I would, I would do the ring announcing. And um, sometimes there wasn't a DJ. So I would have to play people's entrance music. Or I would just try to be, I would just try to be helpful, try to be helpful, try to be useful. I sort of found myself loving that process more than where I was at in ice hockey. My, my path could have easily sort of veered over to that end of things when it came to like that fork in the road moment. But um, it didn't. And who knows? I mean, I guess it might it might have been cool if I played in the NHL. It might have been cool if I played for like you know the WHL or something. I, I don't I don't know how it would have went. Can we please the next time we're in an arena that has open ice, can we like request to get on it? I tried. Th- what happened? They won't let you. So we we've had we've we could had have mo- a good little team. We've got a lot of hockey players. We do. Well, I think so. If we can put you in net, Chris has to be decent. Christian can play. Can? I can play. Oh, wow. Yeah. We could have, we at least have one line. I think, yeah. I think as long as we have a starting line, we should be okay. We could play a little shinny. If we wanted to try it, I would love to try. I've always been curious as to like, you know, after all the years that have went by, because now it's been 20, 20 years since I've played net. What would it look like? You know, what are my reactions like? Does, does, is my is my body going to respond to stop the puck the way that it should, the way that it used to? I don't, I don't know. Because I used to be even even as it progressed as, as a goaltender, I was like half butterfly style in the beginning, kind of like Felix Potman style. I sort of grew into being more of like a stand up style. I was like no nonsense, just. I'll just get the job done. You know, I'm not, I'm not being athletic. I'm not being acrobatic. I think it'd be like riding a bike possibly. I, I went and did a game of pickup over the winter. Wow. So I was like, I'm just dying. I, I bought all new hockey equipment over the pandemic. I, for some reason bought John equipment. So I was like, he should learn how to skate. Anyways, he, it did not go as well for him, but I went and did a game of pickup and I was dying. I consider my cardio to be in decent shape. I was I was dying. Like it was really a scene. I would need to get back into it. Um okay, back to the wrestling side of things. You kind of mentioned it a little while ago about being named often referred to as one of the best wrestlers in the world. What does that title mean to you? How seriously do you take that title? Do you try to keep a gap between yourself and the next person that's kind of being crowned the best wrestler in the world? Where does that sit with you? It's so subjective and it's so hard to really name. And maybe that's, maybe that's a great thing about professional wrestling is that discussions of who is the best or who were the best or who were the GOATs you know, it will always inspire deep conversation because there's so many criteria to consider. But that being said, when people have listed me as one of the greatest performers, whether it be now or of all time or just last week, whether I feel that way or not, I feel that that is a tremendous responsibility that people are placing upon me 
and then I'm placing upon myself because I don't want to squander their good faith. And if they truly do believe that of me, I don't want to not put my best foot forward. I don't not want to try my best to prove them right. And I think that's why when it would be easy to just stick to doing what I'm doing or stick to one thing, because learning one thing or trying to apply your trade to one specific thing is much easier than applying your trade to various styles in the genre or, or type of art that you're involved in or, or profession. So I think that's why doing as well as I did in Japan wasn't enough. That was why even doing what I did in AEW wasn't enough. That's why I went to AAA. That's why I went to Impact. That's why in AEW, I don't want to just do what I did in Japan. I don't want to just be the long singles match guy. I wanted to do tags. I wanted to do you know, all sorts of kind of fun gimmick matches. I wanted to be able to speak on the microphone, do backstage promos. I wanted to be able to do six-man tanks, battle royals, just everything. I feel like if someone truly believes that you're the best in a world where there are hundreds of thousands of wrestlers who are incredibly talented and gifted and doing this and have done this for decades and have done it at the highest level, it really takes something in, in incredibly special to be in the conversation for the best. And whether people truly believe that of me or not, at the very least, I want to strive to, to give them something to be proud of, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit. I, I am competitive. So I guess people give me a reason to compete or if they give me a title to compete for, it's inspiring for me it makes me want to try harder to reach for it. So whether I believe I'm the best or not, it isn't important, but other people do. And to me, that's very important. And it keeps me trying as hard as I can to perform in the best way that I can to create sort of a more multifaceted resume for what I've done in professional wrestling and to keep myself healthy for that. You know, the fans have been paramount. You were mentioning earlier sort of the reasons why you wanted to get out of hockey. It was a business side of things. You just wanted to play for love of the game. You move over into professional wrestling. Do that to the highest degree. Find yourself in an EVP role. You are doing all sorts of the business side of things. How has that sat with you stepping into that role sort of at the beginning of AEW becoming a thing to now really being a businessman within this world? It makes me miss the days when I could just roll up with my like carry bag and be like, all right, let's just think about the match that we have tonight. And then the match is over and okay, that's it. That's, that's where the stress starts and ends with your own performance. And now there's so much more that goes into it. And um, though, you know, our, our various roles, you know, they do have limits, of course. I mean, we, we don't do everything. There are, we have more of an infrastructure and we have people that do have roles and jobs within the company. So it's not like we are as busy as we were in year one. However, there are still things that we have to do all the time. And there are still things that prevent us from being the people that we used to be for the people that came before us and, and had roles 
in major wrestling companies, but still had to go out on TV and pretend like, yeah, this is the entire reason that I'm here is for this one performance. But they had so many other things in their plate that she never did see that 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 wasn't for the public to see or even understand or even hear about. You just you know, the, these are these are sort of like legends that get told way decades later on and down the line. And so so much more respect for them, you know, for the people that were actively involved on the show, but then also were counted on by the people on their team to provide in some other way that took a lot of their time from their schedule. Has your relationship with the rest of the roster, does that change with having this title, with being one of the founding fathers of AEW? How does that kind of sit with everybody? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, (laughs) it would be sad. It would be sad if people are pretending to be nice to me because of it. I hope that's not the case. Um, like the Bucks and I, we always had an open door policy. It's like, Hey, if we can do something for anybody, our door is always open and just come to us with whatever woe that you may have backstage. And the the last thing I would want to do is kind of create a divide where it's like, Hey, you guys are over here doing your thing. We're over here because like, we're what more important. No, I don't ever want to feel that way. And it's never been that way. We are just boys in the locker room we don't try to exude any sort of aura about us that like hey we're, we're a suit in the office it's definitely not what we how we try to present ourselves what was the last year ish like for you being out with injury the stuff goes down it all out you're away from tv for a while what was that like for you kind of just being removed from everything what were like the ups and downs of that i felt that I think it was something like, geez, I did the math on it. It was like in 11 years, maybe more. The most time I'd taken off at one point in time was 17 days for my, my knee surgery. So to have all these injuries accumulate and get to a point where, yeah, I could figure out ways to do what I needed to do in the ring. But I thought, man, we are up to multiple procedures now that I need to get done. What were all the procedures? So I had to get both my knees done. I had to get a shoulder done. I had to get my septum fixed and then they get a stomach hernia. So there's a lot. So knowing that I had to get all those things done, it felt like they were, they were more minor surgeries. It felt like it, but I ended up being out for, for about like eight months. But I felt like the company was in a fantastic position and... I'd felt that the story that I was able to tell with Hangman was one, <clears throat> one that I was very proud of. And I felt that the people were behind him. And I was, I, was, I was happy that we were moving forward in a direction that didn't necessarily require me. I felt that now is a good time to get this stuff taken care of. Then I felt like eight months had passed and it was time to come back. And... It was kind of like the gif, you know, of the dude walking in with the pizza boxes and the whole room's on fire. And I didn't get it. I was like, what's with this strange atmosphere? What's with this strange aura? What, why does something feel so ominous right now? And I, I didn't even know. I couldn't figure it out. And next thing you knew, there was more stuff happening. <laughs> Again, like it's, it's, it's so surreal because it's almost like it never even happened. It's, it happened. Of course it happened. I, I hadn't even gotten 
like familiar with my surroundings yet or re-familiarized backstage with with the new AEW at that point. Because I mean there are new people in the locker room. And a lot had happened in eight months. So to kind of come back and see a lot of old faces and be like, oh hey, oh hey, but then feel this this eerie sort of, you know, to feel like I was in eerie Indiana for a second. It's like, oh boy. And then stranger things started happening. Where I was like, oh man, what do I do? This isn't right. Someone needs to be the voice of reason. This is silly. And it's just like things fell off the rails and we were just involved in a very silly situation that people are probably going to be talking about for, for months and possibly years to come. I don't know. Does that bother you that people are going to be talking about that for so long and sort of like the question mark? About that, do you wish, like, I, I mean, I'm sure it would just be nice to sweep it under the rug and kind of it is what it is, but we live in a world where everyone has these little nuggets of information and are trying to connect the dots on things, but. Here's the way that I look at it. Like, I've been involved in competitive sports, contact sports um, at the highest level. Some people on our, on, our, on our roster have, some people on our roster have not. But I feel like if you have, you've probably been in a spat or two with a teammate and maybe sometimes a time or two, it might come to blows. You know, it, it happens. So coming from that sort of background, there was a point to it all when I felt like, oh, this just happens. We're going to get over it. Let's just calm down and talk it over. No, nothing is. We're all doing OK here. You know, this is we're getting it out of our system. No problem. But uh, let's maybe stop, you know. And uh, it's just, we just don't live in that world anymore, I suppose. You, you, it's sometimes there, there are things, especially now when, you, when you're in a multi-million, billion dollar industry where there are sponsorships on the line, TV deals on the line. Um, it, it's, it's not like um, high school football. It's not, it's not, you know, a little tip that you might have with someone on your fellow amateur wrestling team or whatever, or maybe someone held a submission too long in, in jiu-jitsu training. It's, it's not that. And these things just shouldn't even be happening. It's a shame that the general public and a lot of people aren't ever going to know what went down and how it could have been prevented or how it could have, you know, um, ended differently. That's just sort of how things go. Again, when it's a big business operation, I don't think anyone is happy that it happened or is, or is proud of proud that it happened or, or anything like that. I, I, I think across the board, everyone thinks it was a terrible situation. That was unnecessary. Do you feel like since that, that that atmosphere backstage has somewhat cleared up? Yeah, no, I, I really do. Um, there, there was a while when, and I can understand the confusion. It's sort of like, Hey, we know this thing happened. We heard this thing happen. It's all over the dirt sheets. Why don't we know what happened? And it's like, we're gone and we're kind of sworn to secrecy. We can't say anything legally. So that was the, that was the poopy part where I was like, well, why doesn't anyone tell us what's happening? And then you're forced to form your own opinion or, your, or to come up with your own theory as to what exactly happened. Which can be a doozy when left to your own devices, right? Of course. And especially when it's like, well, I'm more of a fan of one person than the other. So here's the way I'm going to create the story so that it puts this person in the best possible light. It might be that. Chances are it's something else or it might be a combination of various theories. And we might never get to speak about it. But 
what's important was no one that was seriously injured emerging from that. And I'm so thankful from that. And uh, we've, we've moved on with life. I'm, I'm completely fine. It doesn't dictate what I do, what I say. I'm sure the bucks are um, in the same boat. I, I can't speak to the other parties. Hopefully they are doing well. And I mean that um, that's the sitch. That's it. That's all. We move on. We move on. John Jones returns to the Octagon this Saturday to face off against Cyril Gaon with the heavyweight championship on the line. And FanDuel wants you to get in on the action. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Bet on who will win, how they will win, when the fight will end, and so much more. I am so excited to see John Jones back in the octagon, but honestly, Cyril Gunn's kind of my guy going into this one. So don't miss out on your chance for a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when John Jones takes on Cyril Gunn for the heavyweight title, exclusively on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire in 14 days. Max bonus $1,000. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Okay, I feel like I'm sort of talking out both sides of my mouth here because at the beginning of the uh, interview, I was like, there's no big headline things, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, let's get the clickbait going. Come on. <laughs> but. You talk about, let's talk about WWE or something. No, we do must. It. Well, legitimately, I, there's rumors swirling that your contract is coming up. Uh, don't think I didn't notice your T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it did not fall on blind eyes. I do see the Sami Zayn T-shirt, which he is an absolute hero. Love that dude. Absolutely. He's fantastic. I uh, love him like a brother. Love that guy. My greatest dormitory experience and possibly one of my greatest experiences ever just in wrestling was being able to kind of dorm with him in Japan. And it was just like, it was, it was hanging out during the days, doing, doing the matches at the nights, and then just kind of sitting and chilling and watching like old 80s, 90s action movies. Those are, those are moments I'll never forget. And I'm, I'm just so proud that I've been able to have incredible matches with him, done, done some incredible work. Proud that I can call him a friend. Proud that he's doing so well and finally showing everyone just how good he really is. Again, sweet human being. That's the entire purpose of this shirt was for an incredible, incredible reason. So Sammy for Syria, in case you guys don't know, um, wonderful, wonderful cause. Sammy's doing some great things, though. And uh, yeah, uh, the, the, there's many ways to be to be a help and, and to to donate to a great cause. But anyhow, yes, moving, moving onward, moving onward, your contract. What's what's the deal? I don't know. You said <laughs> 
what's the deal, right? Um, I mean, I feel like I see it everywhere of people speculating, people wanting all these, you know, people want answers to things and blah, blah, blah. I would be remiss to not ask you. You can answer however you want. But yeah, it seems like time is ticking down. I mean, as one of, again, you know, we can list off all the things that you've done in AEW, all the things you've done throughout your career. What do you want the rest of your career to look like? Wow. Um, Sometimes, you know, the first thing that pops into your mind is probably how you really feel. And the first thing that came to my mind wasn't, you know, a venue. It wasn't a title. It wasn't some kind of accolade. I feel like whatever it is that I can contribute to wrestling, I want to be able to help people in the the next generation realize the potential as quick as possible or quicker than I was able to. If I can help give anyone advice or to help push them into a certain direction that can lead to something good for them career-wise down the road, that is where I'd like to see myself. I don't feel like I have too many goals or aspirations of my own anymore. Is that funny thing to kind of sit with of like, I've done all the things I want to do. Now what? It kind of like switches your mindset. It does because I feel like, am I wasting my time here? Do I not even deserve my position? If, if I'm not looking for some sort of measure of success for myself, like am, am I being un- ungrateful almost? Um, so those thoughts even still fill my head a little bit because I, I felt that when I was motivated to win the G1, when I was motivated to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship or win the Match of the Year Award or win like Technical Wrestler of the Year Award or even even like just throw out like a, a, a random thing like, boy, wouldn't it be nice if I could somehow win PWI 500? Um, like it got to a point where I was just kind of creating goals to achieve just to have something. And I guess as the, as the checklist started to fill up and I'm, I'm so thankful and I feel so fortunate that I was able to, it became so much less about me and became more about, well, I've got this resume now and I know that I'm breaking down and I know that there are people that, you know, they have 10 years on me or 15 years on me. They have all this time to work with and they can much easier, which with much less of a struggle, get to where I am today. And maybe I can save them some mental anguish. Maybe I can save them being away from their family, you know, a couple more years if I can help them a little bit. And that's just sort of the position that I feel that I'm in right now. What about for the women's division? I know working with the women is a big thing for you, working with Sheeta, working with Riho. Why is that sort of the thing that you want to sink your teeth into? What do you see for the future of the women's division in AEW and sort of the prospects of that? Yeah, so it always, even, even I remember even when I was young, like younger, I don't mean like young, young, like, um, you know, single digits young, but when I was a teen, I had felt like, hey, this is odd. Like Trish... I'm talking Trish Stratus. She's so good. And why does she have such a limited amount of people to work with? I know that they're out there somewhere. I wanted to see kind of epic clashes on American TV, the way that I was able to see them in Japan, 
Because when I was able to see Manami Toyota and Aja Kong, it's by seeing the Joshin, by seeing the passion that they exude in that ring, by seeing just how, how technically sound they were and how they brought this extra something that you just didn't see from you know the male counterparts. It was really something unique, really something original. And you know that's just sort of like flavors of ice cream, flavors of life. You will, it's like, you know, asking, asking to like, Hey, it's in a, in a team of basketball, for example, like, I mean, um, you, you have your point guard, but you can't have a team of five point guards. You know what I mean? You're going to want, yeah, you, you're, you're going to need the proper player to fill the proper positions to have a full team and a team that works. And I truly do believe that in today's world, especially that we as fans in America are, are ready to have shows where there's equal representation for the women as well as the men. And not only that, but we have athletes that are just as dedicated and or, and or more so than the males to become stars. There's a big chip on those shoulders and there's something really important about having that chip on your shoulder and overcoming that. And, and I think there's a, there has been a little bit of complacency from, from males as well, where it's like, yeah, we know we're going to be the focus of this show. Like, you need to really earn my spot to get on this show. And it's like, no, you guys got to be careful because they're coming for you. And not only that, but they actually, they deserve your spots. Like, I've seen it firsthand. And now, like, we would have some incredible displays of professional wrestling in, like, year one, year two, year three. But now I feel that we have earned that trust. And and I, I don't mean with our fans, I'm sure with our fans too, and with fans that maybe casually tune into our product. But you know, there are there are people we have to convince on the business end of things as well that this is a proven thing and that this can be successful and that people want to watch it. Now that we've proven that, yes, people like it, people will watch it, and it is good. We are starting to get some incredible performances from our female champions. And they, they look like absolute superstars. And I couldn't be happier for everyone that has stuck with us since the beginning, um, whether it be an athlete, you know, from the women's division, or whether it be a fan that just saw more for it and has waited all this time and is, you know, and is still waiting to see just how far this women's division can go and how far they can take it. And which I think is still, we haven't, I still think we even haven't reached that potential. We can still keep going. We can still keep pushing it. I think as you start to see what some of these matches look like, different opponent situations, you know, looking at different slots on the card, whether you're looking at the pay-per-view, looking at TV time and being able to have those great storylines to really propel things forward, giving the women that time. Because honestly, you give them that time, they're going to show up and put in 110% every single time. Nobody is ever mailing it in in those situations. So I think just being able to give the women more of that time to really execute. They deliver every single time. Um, and the roster just keeps getting stronger and stronger. And the girls that have been there from the beginning, you see them putting in the work, people getting in the ring, whether they're getting in the ring with you or Brian or, you know, Dustin, they definitely have plenty of brains to pick from uh, in terms of putting together their matches and uh, character stuff and whatnot. But yeah, I can't say enough good things about what our women's division really holds. And one thing that I respect more than anything, which is, uh, you know, uh, kind of part of the process that um, the normal person may not be too keen to is that when we show up to an arena, for an example, and we don't know what the card is, we may know that we'll be performing. We may know that we might be needed. But for the women to show up and go like, oh, by the way, 
for the first time in forever, you guys are going to be the main event. And it's kind of like, whoa, I'm going to be the main. And it's like, yep, do or die. You know what I mean? This is your big chance. You screw this up. That's it. It sets the whole division back because we can't trust you to be the main event anymore. That's so much pressure. That is so much pressure. It's a lot. And that is a real pressure, I think. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think for any woman in any position like that to be like really the one to kind of bear that torch, it really is a lot to make sure like let's make sure everyone's on board. We all know what we're doing. Um, cause that is a very real pressure and I, the fan bases can be great, but they can also be, um, a little unforgiving with some, what some of the circumstances can be as well. Oh, absolutely. Yes. It's, it's, it's always very difficult too to introduce something completely new. This goes back, I would assume to almost every form of art that you can imagine, whether it be, you know, in the way that people painted their pictures and the way people composed their music in the way that film was shot, uh, scripts, everything from people watching Charlie Chaplin to then suddenly watching um, uh, a horror movie. It's, it's going to be jarring. It'll be jarring. You know, people people that are used to listening to classical music and then suddenly, oh, check out this R&B album. It might take you aback for a second. You know what I mean? Maybe, you, maybe you'll like it immediately and maybe that will be an acquired taste because, you know, good music is good music. Bad music is bad music. Good isn't defined by a genre. Good is just good. That's it. Again, there's always going to be a little bit of pushback like, whoa, I'm not familiar with this. I don't know if I'm ready to accept this, but this is a world where we must be accepting now. I think you can really use the the Ruby Willow situation as a prime example for that. I mean, I was shocked by the reaction that people had to women bleeding to the degree that Ruby was. And people were like, right. in arms about that. That was, that was, that was like, a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was a lot, but like... We've seen it before. We've we seen it no, on absolutely. the men a ton. So yeah, it was just very funny to see the reaction of like, okay, like I listen, I know John can get shit for bleeding a ton, Brian's blood a ton. We've seen it. Well, well John's blood before? What? Huh? <laughs> just on occasion, just oh, okay. from time to time. Yeah. It's a thing that happens. The the bloody the bloody pillowcases that we've left in hotel rooms. Good lord. Um, but yeah, it's just very funny to see the reaction that the women get as opposed to the men. But it's it's all just a work in progress. We just push forward and keep giving them great matches with great talent and people that are prepared to rise to the occasion. Exactly. Like I mean, it's the lack of familiarity with it that's jarring. It's like you see Ruby bleed in the way that Dustin bled just the other day. Yes. And it's like, oh my God. Yes. And it's like, whoa, I don't like this. This is dangerous. A reaction to that is it could be as similar as someone shaving their head for the first time. Where it's like, you know, if I if I walked into a room and shaved my head, there's going to be people that go, whoa, I don't well, like this. You can't mess with the curls, by the I way. Was so to come it's up a with whole a different situation. Okay, let's come up. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, if I shaved my head, my hair is sort of, it's, it's just hair. It would be jarring. I could not pull off that look. You might have people that see you on TV for the first time and go, what is this? They might type right away on, on social media. You know what I mean? This is ridiculous. I'm so mad right now. You're a goofball, you know, or whatever. That's how things are sometimes, but it can also be a learning process. And those same people that had that knee-jerk reaction in the beginning that was possibly in a negative place, they might change. Yeah, it's very true. You're right. It's like, I think even for like, for the women, or if it's a different match, it doesn't even just have to be the women, for anybody that kind of has that 
of pushing against the grain, doing something a little bit different is like either you can go back and kind of keep doing the same thing and people will adjust to it. Or you kind of like heed to what some of the feedback is and kind of meet in the middle a little bit. But it's it's just moving things forward. And um, I think our women's division just does an awesome job. And it's in, it's in good hands. That's for damn sure. I hope so. No, it definitely seems to be moving in a, in a great position. And I think we have such a wide array of talents. I mean, I, I know people, especially when they talk to me, they like to talk a lot about the Joshi, but... I, I don't at any point want to discredit any of our other roster members that maybe came from a different discipline in professional wrestling because, you know, the, our, our women that have studied in, in America or the UK or, you know, heck, even, you know, the Performance Center or whatever, they've all put the work in and they continuously put the work in and they're thinking about their characters, they're thinking about their image, new costume ideas, new hair ideas, new way to present themselves. In a lot of cases, a lot more thought has to be put into their presentation than what we do. There's like a certain element of like a sexuality side of things as well, to a degree of like looking a certain way. Like it, that's just, it is what it is. It's, it's a visual medium. So it is definitely something that, uh, yeah, the women have to think about all that stuff so much more. Yeah, you definitely have to think about um, how it is that you would like to look, I suppose. Because sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe your goal isn't to look... Um, a certain way to appeal to a certain kind of person. Maybe you're, you're trying to look um, in a different kind of way. For example, I mean, we have um, Abaddon on our crew. She has to look a, a very different way, you know what I mean, for her fan base. But think about how much work that is every week to get ready. Is like, ton, oh my gosh, yeah. Imagine if she was just like, oh, okay, well, I'm not feeling it. Here's some black lipstick. All right, let's go. It's, it's not going to hit the same way. It's not. Um, Well, Kenny, I could sit here and pick your brain all day. This was a hell of a chat. I really appreciate you jumping on here to hang out with me and provide some insight on many different topics. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I I hope to see you soon. And I guess if not soon on your show, I'll see you at at an arena. (laughs) I'll see you soon either way. Like it or not, I'll be there. Yep. (laughs) A big thank you to Kenny and his sweet cat for hopping on the pod. A lot of fun. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Check out the YouTube. You can watch the video there to see his um, his curls in action at home with his fake plant and his cat. You really want to see the cat. The cat's a big star. Very cute. Um, check all that out. Um, also on AMP, Tuesdays and Thursdays, download the AMP app and you guys can hang out with the sessions on there as well if that happens to be a way that you are currently consuming your podcasts and your content um until next time uh, ne- <clears throat> until next time let's do that really professionally <clears throat> until next time this has been the sessions did i nail it i don't know we'll see you guys next time <laughs>